Man, I, I got to tell you, I have uh, not been this excited to start a new series that we did last week as I have in a long time. I've been in the church over 30 years, and I can't remember the last time we did a nine-week series, and especially one on the Holy Spirit. Uh, how many would just say, man, I, I need more of the Holy Spirit? I mean, it's... You're going to clap. Just clap really good. I mean, this isn't a... I mean, if we really got real with ourselves and just put aside the spiritual cliches and, and really got down to the, the real things that help us grow in our life, the Holy Spirit is something we, we forget, I think, sometimes. You know, Jesus said that, excuse me, Paul said, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Where does he live? Come on, where does he live? He lives in us. And I think about that power, that empowerment, the the very breath, the very presence of God lives in us, and yet my question is, do we actually live that way? Do we lean on him the way we should? Do we need him and surrender to him the way that we should? And I'll be really honest with you, right from the very beginning, as I have been getting ready to be a part of this series and preaching, I, I really came to a realization that I'd let some of my life go a little dry, that I was in the word of God, but I wasn't letting the living word of God bring life to the word of God. And isn't it easy just to kind of get a little one way or the other sometimes? Am I the only one? Man, I think about this series, and we began last week to look at the living, uh, the living God and, and who the Holy Spirit is that, as Pastor Mark said, the breath of God, the, the Ruach word of God, the, the Rhema word of God, which also comes to life, and we we just live this life and it's so easy to look at things around us that are real but temporal and forget about the Holy Spirit in our lives. I do that and maybe you do too. And that's what this whole series is about is to come back and if I could say it this way, fall in love with not just Jesus but his spirit too. Amen. We talked about the names of the Holy Spirit and just even recognizing, do you forget what he does in your life? We're going to talk in two weeks about what it means when he says, I'm going to send another, the advocate. Your helper, the, that, the spirit of truth, the spirit of grace. We begin to just think and meditate on who the Holy Spirit is. I'm telling you what, we need more of the Holy Spirit, not less of the Holy Spirit. We, we need him to lead us and guide us more. And today, I even want to take another step, and I want to talk about how the word of God, everybody shout word. Come on, shout word. The word of God and say spirit. The spirit of God work together. I know that oftentimes we can be as people kind of leaning one way or the other. We kind of lean into the Word of God or we can lean into the Spirit of God, but God desires both of them in our lives. And I want to take you to John chapter 14, verse 26. Why don't you turn to your Bibles, and if I could ask you, man, don't get on Facebook, not because I'm speaking, because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to do something in your heart today. What if we got out a pen and our notes out of the bulletin, we got our, our phone out just to take notes, and we leaned in a little bit more to really understand the dynamic work of the Holy Spirit and the Word of God in our life. And in John chapter 14, Jesus is really coming to the end of his ministry. He's just had his last meal with the disciples. He's let them know that, that he's going to he loves them. He's washed their feet, and he's showing them what servanthood is. And he's he's coming. He's let them know. By the way, one of you is gonna is one of you is gonna betray me. Now, talk about a table disruptor. Can you imagine if I'm having dinner with you and I say, "By the way, one of you is gonna betray me." Kind of messed up the meal for a little bit. 
But Jesus isn't bothered by that. Judas runs out of the room and he begins to tell them, by the way, now is the time. In a a matter of hours, he knows he's going to be betrayed. And a few hours later, he's going to be crucified. The disciples' world is going to go upside down. They begin to ask questions like, why can't we come with you? Where are you going? Jesus has been with them three years and yet they're still wrestling with, what do you mean, Jesus, when you say you're going away and then you'll come back and then you'll be gone and then you're going to your father's and... I think we'd be a lot like the disciples. Jesus, would you just tell us what you mean? And even if he did, we wouldn't really understand it. You almost get a sense that they're nervous. Jesus says in an earlier verse, he says, by the way, I just want to remind you, I've not spoken to you my own words. I always speak the Father's words to you. I always reveal the Father's heart to you. You get a sense that they're realizing, Jesus, you've taught us how to live. You've taught us how to love. You've told us that you have purpose in our life, and now you're telling us you're going to leave. And I sense there was a real sense of nervousness, angst, and, and, not, and afraid of what the future might hold. And it's right here where Jesus, he says this to me. He says, don't worry, guys. He says, but the helper, everybody shout the helper. The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, He said, he's going to teach you all things. And he's going to bring to remembrance all that I've said to you. And as we stop and we think about what Jesus is saying, he's saying, listen, I'm leaving, but I've been teaching you. I've been showing you who the Father is. I've been telling you his heart for you. I've been showing you how to live, how the Father wants you to live. And I know you're nervous, but guys, you don't have to be nervous because I'm going to go and I'm going to send another, and it's the Holy Spirit. and He's going to lead you into all truth. He's going to remind you what I said. And began a conversation over the next chapter or two that Jesus begins to unfold the work of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Something we're going to look at over the next couple weeks. But you begin to understand that we see even in the sending of the Holy Spirit, it's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit that's working in our lives. You see, we need to remember how Jesus taught us to live, to love, that he created us with a purpose, that God has a divine purpose in us, and we don't have to worry about fulfilling that if we truly let the Holy Spirit come and guide us into all truth. That's easier said than it is done, though, isn't it? And I think for different ones of us, we actually kind of maybe lean more on the word of God, which I think is the truth of God, than we sometimes we maybe lean on the spirit of God, which is kind of the power of God. I grew up in a church, maybe, maybe you did too, like this, where we were taught the word, but there was no grace, no love. Man, I felt like I was under Old Testament law. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I knew all the things I shouldn't do, but I actually was never taught that the Holy Spirit would empower me to live a godly life. Instead, I tried to do it on my own, and I just tried to live these rules and regulations. I'm not quite sure that that's how God created us to live. In fact, I know it's not. I think that in essence, if you grew up that way, you almost have a tendency to just kind of want to walk away from the word of God in a sense, because it's all rules. There's the other side where we can be so Holy Spirit-minded. Have you ever met a crazy Holy Spirit person? I remember one time a lady came in our church and she was dressed in a clown outfit with clown makeup and a clown hat with a little flower on top. And I said, excuse me, ma'am, I'm just curious what... I mean, how do you ask somebody why they're dressed that way? But I couldn't let it go. She says, well, the Holy Spirit told me to dress that way. I thought, if that's the Holy Spirit, I don't want any part of it. Come on, how many know what I'm talking about? We, 
we see this side where the Holy Spirit is more subjective. It's, it's a, it's, we kind of think of him almost as a junior God, don't we? Amen. I almost used to think of the, the father comes along and the chariot, Jesus rides on a horse and the Holy Spirit's pooper scooper cleaning up after them. That's not what it is. He is fully, I'm probably going to get struck dead for that one, aren't I? <laughs> he's not. He's, the, he's part of the Trinity, the Godhead. It says in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And as Pastor Mark said last week in verse 2, he is the one who is hovering over the earth and all of creation was through his work. And then it says God spoke and God spoke and God spoke and before you know it, nine times we see the word of God moving, working with the Holy Spirit. Doesn't it say the word of God in the beginning that the word is with God and the word was God? We see this divine partnership that we can never minimize or limit who the Holy Spirit is in our life. And I want to challenge us today to not lean into the Word of God only or the Spirit of God only. Not to just lead into truth or to power. We need truth with power. We need a truth encounter with God and we need a power encounter with the Holy Spirit. And it's only in that place that I find in my life I can actually live out, to actually live out the way God wants me to live, to love people the way he wants me to love them. Because the truth be told, I'm not really very lovely without the Holy Spirit. As we begin to look at this partnership, this relationship between the, the Word and the Spirit together, we realize that they've always been together. They've always been together. From the beginning of Genesis, as I just said, and if you read Revelation, it's the Spirit and the Word of God together. Do you ever thought about why we have the Word of God? You know what the Word of God does? Let's just start with the Word of God for a moment. The Word of God is what actually is how God revealed who He is and His authority. Think about that. It's how we know who God is, His heart. How do you get to know people? Imagine if you're starting a, well, maybe a new dating relationship, right? Maybe you're starting a new friendship, or maybe you're even interviewing an employee to come work for you. Can you imagine if you went to Starbucks and you sat down at the table and you said, hey, tell me about yourself, and the other person just folded their arms and never said a word. Imagine saying, hey, tell me what you think about such and such. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. And they just folded their arms and never said a word. How ridiculous would that be? You can never build a relationship. That's why God gave us his word is because he wants you to know his heart for you, number one. He wants you to understand the way he created you to live. He wants you to know how to love and live in relationships. And so he gave us his word. That's why he gave Moses the word, right? Through the Holy Spirit, he came and spoke. Moses wrote it down. In fact, God himself, it says, took the finger of God and wrote on the tablets of stone the Ten Commandments. We see how he spoke through the prophets and they wrote it down. And what you realize is the beginning of Scripture isn't in man, as 2 Timothy says. Listen to what Paul told Timothy. He says, all Scripture. Everybody shout all. All. Say it again. All All Scripture is God-breathed. And here's this word again about divinely breathed in. Like the word spirit. And it says that all scripture is godly breathe, and we have to understand that it is the authority of our life if God is our creator. Here's my question. What have you given authority over your life? To your opinions? My feelings? My thoughts? Or is it God's word? 
And how you know what you've given authority is by what you let direct your life. Here's how you know if God's word has got authority over you. And here's some words we're not really in love with sometimes. It, it says the word of God, all scripture is useful for teaching. How many like to be taught? Right? We, that's a good word. Rebuking. How many love that word? Right? Not a great word. Not when you often love to use with people. Correcting, that's a little bit better, but it still means that something's off in my life, but also training, and all this is in righteousness. You know how when you know God's word is the authority of your life is you're willing to let God rebuke, correct, train, equip you? It's so that the man of God or the woman of God can be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You see, God has a purpose in your life. You weren't created without purpose. You actually have a destiny, a purpose, and a calling. That's why we even do belong, so you can discover your purpose to make a difference. And, and even as Dylan said, it's not just that you can come be a part of a building and a family and a church. It's so you discover who God made you, but you need even the Holy Spirit and God's word working together that you can grow and become equipped for every good work God's called you to do. So we see this, this aspect of God showing us his heart. We come to understand that ultimately when Jesus came, he was the living word. Have you thought about that? It wasn't just God's written word. At one point in time, he decided this is a Kairos moment where I'm going to let the living word come and I'm going to put him on the planet. And it says that, what's it say in scripture? The word became flesh. And he, he made his dwelling amongst us. God said, I want to send my son who's my living word. And I want all of humanity to see my heart. And Jesus, it says, was the perfect reflection of God. Being fully God, when he came, he was completely a reflection of who God was. His heart was God's heart. The way he lived is the way God would have us live. The way he showed love is the way God loves. And the reality is every time we read the Gospels, we see the living example of who God is. And being fully God, yet fully the Son there's that perfect union between the two of them. And every time we read scripture where Jesus is teaching, as he said to the disciples, the words I'm telling you are not my own, they're from the Father. And so we see the living word coming into existence. And yet he was here for a season and then he said, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna send the Holy Spirit. Dylan said it earlier, I, I love that thought. God doesn't fill buildings, he fills us. And no longer do we even have to be in proximity to the word in flesh. We have men that were inspired by God to write down what they heard, what they saw. We have a living example of how we're to live and how to love and how to think. But how do we live a life that really brings together both the word, the truth of God, and the spirit and the power of God? And I want to just show you a little diagram that may help you as you even go through your week in these next couple weeks of, of how we should cherish the word of God and the Holy Spirit equally. And it's, it's that aspect that we love them both. It's not an either or an or. It's like if you have two kids, you don't pick which kid you're going to give focus and love to more. You love them both. They're both a priority in your life. And so we're going to love the word. We're going to cherish the Holy Spirit. And I just want to put up a diagram of a river and some riverbanks and I just want you to think about it this way. There we go. I want you to think about the word as the riverbanks. 
The word of God is unchanging, right? Think about the word of God is is concrete. It's finite. It doesn't change. Aren't you glad that God doesn't change the rules on you midstream? I mean, I'm really thankful for that. I I don't do well with changing rules. I barely do well with unchanging rules. But God's word are like those riverbanks. They don't change. They're fixed. The word of God is is in place. We don't have to guess. We know what it is. The river is like the spirit of God. It's moving. It's flowing. It's it's empowering. The word of God reveals our beliefs and behaviors. Or if I could say it this way, it reveals the way we should think. It reveals the way we should live, the way we should love. But it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us to live that way. The Holy Spirit isn't in conflict with the Word of God. They work together. And any time when we think the Spirit of God might flow over the Word of God, it's always your thoughts and not God's thoughts. Because any time a flood happens, destruction comes, and it's never healthy. And we've got to understand when it's the Spirit talking and when it's us talking. We've got to evaluate it always with the Word of God. And see, the Word of God reveals the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit of God always confirms the Word of God. They work together. They're never in competition with each other. And in order to know the Spirit of God, think about it, you have to know the Word of God. That's why we're doing this whole series. We realize that we may even have a generation that knows of the Holy Spirit, but doesn't, haven't ever really studied the Word of God to understand who He is. Because I believe when you understand who the Holy Spirit is, there's some things that begin to unlock in your life. We're going to talk about what it means to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit. And because I believe God has gifted you, and there's some things that have yet to be unlocked that God wants to not only empower you, but to change the people around you by the love and grace that He's put within you. There's a... There's the fruit of the Spirit, that if you're not living in the fruit of the Spirit, it's always an identification, something's got to change in me. But here's the beauty, it's not what you can do, it's what he can do. You know, I love what what the prophet said to Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was supposed to rebuild the temple after it's been destroyed, the people have been taken captive. There was no way that it should have ever been rebuilt. But Zerubbabel gets the task, and the Lord comes through. Zechariah, and he says, I want you to know it's going to happen. My word will come to pass, but it's not by might. It's not by power. Come on, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. And that word is still for us today. And so as we begin to look at this, this beautiful relationship between the word and the spirit, you know what I love about that analogy with the river? There's nothing more powerful than a river when it's got energy behind it. You've got a dam in your life that you can't seem, the Holy Spirit can break that dam out. You got something that's not movable like a rock or something, the Holy Spirit, when there's power in the Holy Spirit, he can take out every rock. He's going to guide you down. Now, here's what gets a little scary. He moves and he's going to take you places you wouldn't think you were going to go. He's going to have you go in ways that you wouldn't think you could do or you could accomplish. The banks are fixed, but the Holy Spirit, he's going to take you on a path that might be uncomfortable at times, but I promise you if we get in his boat, it's always a journey that we find life and joy and peace in. It's that Holy Spirit that is moving. And when we begin to build a life that's built on the Word and the Spirit, it starts by building your life on the authority of God's Word. How do we do that? The first part's so simple. We just start with it every day. 
We just start by putting the word of God in our life each and every day. We call it around here the first 15. If you know Pastor Mark Jones, one of our prayer pastors, he'll talk to you about your first 15 minutes of every day. As you leave today, if you've never thought about spending time with God every day, there's these little, just little brochures that help you understand how to talk with God and read, your, read his word and let the spirit of God talk to you. Do you know why we need it every day? Because you're just like him. You're all a bunch of leaky buckets. Every day we leak. We live in a culture that doesn't help build Christ into our world, our perspectives, our thoughts. From what's on TV to music to billboards to, to the way people live to the way our economy. There's nothing around that encourages you to think about God's word every day. And I wonder how many times we actually listen more to our culture than we do God. And the only way I know to get God in me is to read his word every day because it all leaks. I need to fill it up every single day. And it starts with just being in his word. But it also means that we have to allow the Holy Spirit to bring his word to life. I just got to tell you, a challenge will be for you is if you read the Bible as either a historical book or even a, even a book of religion that has great thoughts in it. That can be to you nothing more than literally ink on a page until we realize that the same spirit, as Pastor Frank said day on and day out, the same spirit that lives in you wrote the book, he can bring that book to life for you. And it's when we begin to understand that it is a living book. Think about what the scripture says when he says in Hebrews, the word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It's not a dead book. It's not a book that is just sitting on our shelves. It's a book that if we ask the Holy Spirit, he'll bring it to life. And every time I'm in my time of devotions and I realize I'm not getting anything, I know it's a me issue, not a God issue. Do you trust that the Holy Spirit wants to bring that alive to you? And you know how it happens? You've read the same verse for 50 times and suddenly the Lord brings something to mind that applies right to your situation. You feel inside. He's saying something to you personal about it. It doesn't mean that happens every time for me. Sometimes it's just putting the word of God in me. But I will tell you that when I begin to expect, it's amazing how many times I find the Holy Spirit's beginning to bring those words alive to me off the page. Or he might take a scripture and he suddenly speaks in my heart a way that a, something I've never thought about, never seen that scripture before. It's the Holy Spirit that causes it to come alive, to be living and active. But then the writer goes on and he says, it penetrates even the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. The word of God, there's no ifs, ands, or buts. It's, he's going to separate light from dark. The sword of the spirit separates good from evil. He separates wrong thinking from right thinking. It's the word of God. It does something in you. And whether you know it or not, if you will listen to the Holy Spirit, he'll begin to speak to you. And, and this is what he goes on to say. And I'll personalize it. He judges my thoughts and my attitudes in my heart. How many do not like that scripture? <laughs> and here's the kicker. And everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him whom we must give account. I skipped it. Nothing, all creation's hidden from God's sight. Boy, I know we don't live that way. I'll tell you why. Because there's a lot of things we wouldn't do if we just remember God was watching all the time. Right? But the reality is we also not only let the Holy Spirit bring the word of God to life, we need to, we need to let him speak to us about what needs to change. 
We need our heart, our thoughts, our attitudes to change. You know, the Holy Spirit says in another scripture, he comes to, as we said, convict us. He comes to teach us. He comes to guide us. And I think of the word of God and the Holy Spirit working together like a mirror. You know, the mirror never lies. Have you noticed that? Somebody tells you you got spinach in your teeth, you might not be able to see it, but what do you do? You go to the mirror and you, yeah, it's right there and you pick, I mean, it just doesn't lie, right? You can't say, no, it's not there. Like, uh, a Frankie was over at my house, I think it was him the other day, and he was looking at our wedding pictures and he made a comment about, I was 20 when I got married. I had really dark brown hair. I weighed 165 pounds. I didn't have a wrinkle in sight. Now, I can think I'm still looking like that young guy that got married, right? But the mirror don't lie. It doesn't matter what I think. It doesn't matter even if I have a young attitude. When I look in that mirror, I realize I almost don't have a brown hair left. Got a little crow's eyes starting to form around. I call, them ring, uh, I call them freckles. My kids call them age spots. And 165, oh my God, I dream. How many know the mirror doesn't lie? Here's the reality. God's word never lies to us. But we lie to ourselves an awful lot. David said this in Psalms 119. He says, Lord, help me know your word and help me not to lie to myself. Do you know where we so many times get ourselves in troubles? We lie to ourselves. You're a liar and so am I. We, we lie to ourselves in things like, I can go on that website and I know it's not bad, but I know before it always led me to other things that got me in trouble, but this time I won't do that. We, we can lie to ourselves about, I can go back to that relationship even though it wasn't healthy last time. I'm sure this time it'll be different. We can lie to ourselves and think that, I, I know that even when I spend my money that way, it got me in trouble last time, but this time it's going to be different. Why? Because we tend to let our emotions, our thoughts, and our attitudes lead us in a greater way than letting the Holy Spirit and the Word of God lead us. And then we get ourselves in trouble, we cry out, and God in his mercy helps us. But how many times do we have scars we were never meant to carry, wounds that were never meant to be our part because we don't let the word and the spirit work together? And I'm not judging you, I'm pointing the finger at myself too. And I wonder if David wrote that after he went up on a rooftop and he saw a woman bathing and in her nakedness, he let lust come into his heart. I wonder if he realized that he lied to himself and said, I can handle this. And then when he committed adultery and she got pregnant, he thought, I can make my way out of this. Instead of recognizing what the word of God said when he says, don't covet another man's wife. And then he began to plot to have that husband killed in battle. You know what's so ironic to me? The nation looked at King David after Uriah was killed in battle. They didn't know David was the father. They assumed it was Uriah, most likely. They thought, what a generous king to take this war, this veteran's widow into his household. But it was the word of God that came through the Holy Spirit to Nathan to say, David, if you let this go on, it'll destroy your life. How many times do we believe a lie that will lead us in a path of destruction for ourselves and for our families? Instead of, we'll let the word of God be the authority in the beginning. 
David goes on to say in Psalms 119, it's where he begins. I don't know if he wrote it or not, but I wonder if he didn't. It's the longest psalm. It's the longest chapter in the whole book. It's the longest song I think it has been written in the history of mankind, 176 verses. And he says, and it's all about God. I want to put your word first. I want your word to lead me and guide me. Help me to know your precepts and the way you think. Change my thinking. And he says, let your word be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's got to be our heart when it comes to the word of God. And will we let it be the thing that comes alive by his spirit and convicts us and trains us and equips us and encourages us by the spirit of God? Some of you today need to read more of the scriptures that tells you God loves you, then he's out to get you. God doesn't wink at sin, that's true. But he also says, I'm slow to anger, I'm quick to forgive, I desire a relationship with you. Yes, I don't wink at sin, but you need to know that I'm a compassionate God. And how many times do we in the midst of our sin run away from God instead of running to him? And it's at that moment I believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to you to draw you back in. And we need to let the, God's word be the authority and the beginning place of this relationship of the word and the spirit working together. And as we do, you know what happens? We begin to trust the Holy Spirit and we begin to follow the leading of the Holy Spirit. We begin to let the written word of God reveal the spirit and the power of God. I think about how many times the, the Holy Spirit has helped me in my personal life. I think about how many times that the Holy Spirit has come and spoken a word to me. I think about 22 years ago when I was in my basement in the morning wrestling with, was God real in a situation? And I remember the Lord just came to me and said, don't let your identity be in what you do, let it be in me. Man, I began to process that and began to read scriptures that were tied to that in the word of God. And before you know it, Suddenly, I, I used to fight a battle of comparing myself to other people all the time. You know what the problem is with comparison? You never win. All we see is the best of others on the outside. We don't tell each other all our garbage. That word of the Lord began to change my life. To not compare myself. To let my identity be in who God says I am and what his word says that I am and, and how I'm forgiven and that he's working on me. That word changed my life. And how many times we need to just stop and, and, and listen because Jesus said, he says in chapter 16, he says, and when the Spirit comes, he's going to guide you into all truth. Not some truth, not partial truth. Everything you need in truth, the Holy Spirit is going to guide you into. You begin to realize we can have the Holy Spirit, but we have to stop and listen for him. Do we take time to ask for his help? Do we... Take time to listen for his voice. Do we take time to even let the gifts of the Spirit, isn't it amazing that when you think about the Word and the Spirit, isn't, isn't the one piece of armor in Ephesians 6, the one offensive piece of armor is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Am I letting those two be what guides me in my mornings? Am I asking the Holy Spirit as I go into that difficult meeting or that situation at work or the relationship I'm struggling with, Holy Spirit, what are you saying in this moment and how do I, how do I move forward? Instead, so many times we just go in our own might and our own strength instead of the Spirit of the Lord. 
Sometimes I think people fear that they might get out of whack a little bit. How will I know if it's the Holy Spirit? Here's how you know if it's the Holy Spirit. Because it will always line up with God's word. It will never, ever contradict the word of God because the Holy Spirit only speaks what the Father says. I have young men come to me sometimes and they'll tell me with such excitement, Pastor Walter, I think I've met the girl and the Lord. They'll tell me this. The Lord has told me she's the one. Well, if I know the girl and I know him, it's, it's, a, it's a whole different conversation. But a lot of times if I don't know the, the gal, and it's usually the guys that talk to me, I'll ask him a question. Do they go to church anywhere? Question number one. Young men, young women, take notes of these questions right here. If they do, have you talked with her pastor? You want this relationship to start right from the beginning. You want to make sure her parents, and I realize if they're younger in age, there's parents involved. You you do this right. You get people around you that will keep you walking rightly and in purity and the wisdom some people who have done this before you. Every once in a while they'll say no. They, and they'll answer it this way. No, they don't go to church, but they love God. They're almost always tied together. And then I'll ask them the second question. Have they ever made a, a personal commitment to Christ? Have they asked Christ into their life? If the answer is no, it's always with this. No, but they're a good person. You know what's hard for me in that moment is, as a pastor, if I love them and care for them, I'm going to tell them what the Word of God says. Paul wrote it so clearly. He said, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Now, is it because God doesn't care about the unbeliever? No. He sent his son to die for that unbeliever just like he sent his son to die for you and me. It's not a love issue. He knows that in marriage, in that deepest of covenants, to not have two lives surrendered to the word of God increasingly, it greatly complicates everything. To have two different sets of values, two different sets of beliefs. And I've, sta- I've sat on the other side in the counseling couch in my office to listen to those conversations. Business partnerships and different ways that we Interlock, are we supposed to separate ourselves from the world? Absolutely not. We're to live and love like Jesus everywhere we go. But when it comes into a covenantal relationship, God said, don't, we, don't yoke yourself with an unbeliever. And I know it's going to be a conversation to say, you know what? I don't think that's God because God wouldn't argue with himself. He's not schizophrenic. <laughs> Let's have another conversation. And oftentimes it's desires. It's a heart. And I recognize that often it's a desire for somebody to have a relationship. But never let your desires override God's word because it will most of the time bring grief that will last for a long time. And God, he gave us his word because he wants us to know how much he loves us. He wants us to know how to live. He wants us to know how to think. And his spirit will always confirm that. I find there's a lot that the Holy Spirit says that isn't necessarily directly tied to Scripture itself. Maybe you're seeking God for a job. Lord, are you even asking, Holy Spirit, is it this job or this job? You know what I found is better to pray? Lord, if it's you, open the door. And if it's not, close the door and slam my nose in it so I just don't have any question. Because I find I'm often in awe. I've got too much emotion tied in. I've got too much thoughts going in. I, I need to separate even my desires from the will of God. And he's faithful to show me every time his purpose. Just stand to your feet.
I believe God's calling us to be a people not of the spirit or not of the word, but to be word and spirit people. Would you bow your heads for just a moment? I wanna just very quickly ask that there's anybody in the room or online today that maybe you're in the room and you don't know the Holy Spirit because maybe you don't even know Jesus. And if that's you today and you're in this room, I, 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 maybe even you feel something. I believe it's the Holy Spirit. He's, he's drawing you. He's causing you to think about your life and some of the questions that we're asking today. And I simply wanna say God loves you so much he sent his son Jesus to die for you. You'll never pay the price. You'll never make it up to God for all that you've done. And so he sent his son. And all you have to do is trust in Jesus and ask him into your life and he'll forgive you. And if that's you today, would you just simply slip up your hand? I'm not gonna make you come out of your seat. All I wanna do is pray for you and put something in your hand. If that's you, would you just slip up your hand wherever you're at in this room? Just saying, Walter, I need God. I need forgiveness and I need a fresh start. Come on, God sees that hand and you're not to be distracted. They're just gonna put something in your hand. Online, there's a little button that you can push to to talk with one of our online pastors. And I can't see every hand. My service hosts are helping me. But right where you're at, all you need, I wanna ask you to do is in your own words, in your own heart, say, Jesus, would you come and cleanse my heart? Would you forgive me today? Would you come in and make me new from the inside out? Today, I choose to make you the Lord in my life. Help me surrender to your word and let the spirit of God help guide me into all truth. Thank you in Jesus' name.